you are God of our Savior's virgin birth. You were God on the cross and God over hell. You were God before man and God when he fell. God in what seems like happenstance, you are God in every circumstance. In this uh, this crazy world we're living in, it's good to start out just remembering who is in charge of things. Would you stand with us, please, as we begin worshiping this morning? 
Without hope and no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains heart was given a name My morning grew quiet My feet rose to dance When death was arrested And my life began Oh, your grace so free Washes Free, free, forever, amen. Death was a 
morning, everybody. We can't say we haven't had a summer this year, can we? God bless this morning, and God bless uh, the wonderful weather he's given us. And gosh, it's really nice to be here and worshiping with all of you this morning. Let's take a few minutes and greet each other, and, uh, well, I don't know, just share what you've done this summer. Good morning, Hopevale. Wow, what a great way to start the morning, right? I feel like there's a little Johnny Cash, but he's got nothing on us, right? <laughs> yeah, give it up. Great job, you guys, great job. Hey, we, uh, you've survived the 100 or near 100 degree uh, weather all right? Um, yeah, it's what we hoped for this uh, last winter and spring, right? Not, I don't know about you, I, I drive in from Seabwing and um, I noticed the corn, like, during the week, like, was all, like, wrinkled and shriveled up, and it got closer to the stalk. And I don't know about you this morning, I don't know where you're at, but if you come in this morning feeling a little dry, a little parched, I think you've come to a good place to be refreshed and recharged and refueled. So we are excited and glad that you're here today. Just want to bring your attention, um, looking for opportunities. Your bulletin has several opportunities, once again, to be refreshed and refueled over the, the coming month or so. Uh, there's great opportunities that we would love to uh, have you be a part of, so be sure to check that out. Also, one of the great opportunities that we get every week is to, to come into to this place of worship and not only sing, but to uh, partner with the Lord and give back to him a portion of what he's blessed us with. So I'm going to have the uh, ushers come forward, and I'm going to take a moment to pray and just thank God for the opportunities that we have. I don't know if you know this or not, but we partner with almost uh, 20 missionaries every single month. We support them, and so... Know that part of your giving that you give today goes towards them. And then also the, the opportunity for us uh, yesterday, right here on campus, we had several junior high students that were out back having lots of fun in the water and all the messy games that they had as well. So um, great opportunities that God has for us this morning and then uh, to continue in, in worship and ministry with him. So let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. We're excited uh, to be in this place. God, I'm excited to be here. Father, we may come from a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different places, and some of us may this morning walk in here feeling a little bit dry, a little bit parched, a little bit uh, in need. And so, Father, we pray that you would meet, meet each one of us right where we're at, that you would speak through Pastor Adam this morning as he brings our, us our message later on. And Father, um, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to join you in ministry and uh, for you to fill us uh, every single day through your word. Father, this morning we pray for our offering. We pray that um, you would take these gifts that we are returning to you, that you would uh, not only bless them, but you would just um, help further your kingdom through them, Lord. God, thanks for all that you do for us and all that's yet to come. We pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Take my life and let it be 
Heavenly Father, we are honored here to be in your presence worshiping you because it's only when we are led to the cross and we see your humility, we see your grace, and we see your servanthood that we can truly say, take our lives and let them be consecrated, Lord, to thee. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Heroes, Gideon. This has been a great morning so far, worshiping together. You know, that really is what uh, our entire service is all about, just taking our hearts and laying them to the cross before the Lord and just allowing Him to do in us what He wants. And uh, before we dive into the message this morning, I just want to give a brief update on the uh, team that we sent to Zimbabwe. A couple weeks ago, we had brought the nine team members up on stage and had a time of just prayer for them as they were going to be going to Chinoy, Zimbabwe from July 8th to the 20th. Well, they got back on Wednesday night, and I think there's still a little bit of recovery from jet lag taking place, uh, but they just had an incredible time of ministry there, partnering with our outreach partners ministry, Life to Life Africa, there in Chinoy, Zimbabwe. And so that's the the picture of the team on the ground with just a number of the people who are a part of that ministry there. And so just on behalf of Hopevale, you know, thank you so much for just your, your prayer and financial support of that team. I mean, those are the kind of things that we could not do without you. Yes, you can clap. You know, as, as a church, that's just what we feel God calling us to do. It's, it's more than just what happens here on a Sunday morning, though God uses this also, but it's getting outside of the walls and looking to the world and what God uh, is calling us to and how he is just taking his name to the nations. And so it really is a privilege to be a part of that. So as we dive into the story of Gideon this morning, uh, we're three weeks into this summer series, and I just want to take a moment to put up a definition of a hero, because that's kind of the baseline of where we're starting with. You know, we've already heard great stories from Pastor Sam and Pastor Steve, and uh, this is what a hero is. It is a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Those are the, that's a hero. That's kind of what we're looking at this morning. And so I don't know about you, but, you know, when I think of a hero, uh, my mind just kind of naturally goes to think of superhero movies, right? I mean, there's, there's a pretty big, uh, a big place for that in society today, a lot of superhero movies being made. And also, I don't know about you, but in, in my house, you know, if my wife and I have a time in the evening sometimes to put a movie on, this is kind of how the conversation usually goes. I'm like, Hey, uh, you in a mood for a shoot 'em up superhero type movie, right? And guess what the answer is? No, how about a romantic comedy, right? That's usually how it goes. Well, let me just say that in our Netflix queue, we have watched like pretty much all of the romantic comedies that are in Netflix. <laughs> so, I mean, that is the kind of husband I am. But. My wife, I mean, she is awesome as well. And so this week, you know, she actually took me to see what, I mean, in my opinion, I think is probably going to become one of the all-time best superhero movies that's out there. In my opinion, this story was like the ultimate in good 
versus evil. It was a really, really good movie, and we've got a picture of what this one was if you guys want to throw that up there right now. I mean, man, dogs and cats and, you know, overcoming evil, it was the ultimate superhero movie, right? The dogs won, by the way, so that was a good thing. No, but seriously, so when I do think of movies, and I did a little bit of research this week on just what some of the highest grossing superhero movies of all time were, and there is uh, the list of the top six movies have all been produced within the last eight years and have brought in just under $3 billion. $3 billion. Do you, do you know what you would do with $3 billion? I mean, what can you spend $3 billion on? I have no idea. I mean, besides the presidency or something like that, I'm not really sure. <laughs> but really, I mean, these stories, like we put down that money and we go immerse ourselves in these stories because there really is something that draws us in to the greatness that is depicted in those characters, right? You know, and a few years ago, I, I had the chance to be down in the Dominican Republic where uh, we have a partner there in Guayamate, and it was just a kind of a four-day, smaller, vision, admin-type trip. And so in the evenings, me and a couple other guys, I remember this, we were hanging out in the dormitory upstairs and just kind of talking about biblical superheroes, right? And as you go through the Bible, some of the same names that we're going to be looking at this summer came up. And the question was kind of, okay, I mean, that's incredible. It's awesome to dive into God's Word and read about these heroes of the faith and how God used them in their time to uh, enact great change in, their, in the people around them and in their land and things like that. But, you know, it kind of begged the question, does God really still use us like that today? Does God still really give us the opportunity to be heroic in our faith right here in Saginaw, Michigan? And we really walked away saying, yes, absolutely, God does do that. And we need to have our eyes open for those kinds of opportunities. And that's one of the reasons that you know, I'm excited about this series and just week after week hearing these stories and being reminded that God is calling us to heroic faith in the same way that he did in the past in these stories in the Bible. Because I think deep down, you know, we, we all want to be a hero. You look at that definition of it, you're like, we all want to be courageous. We all want to do outstanding things. We want to be known for our noble qualities. We want, to, we want good to triumph over evil. And we really want this in all facets of our lives. You know, think about your own daily life, whether you're a parent or a grandparent, a spouse, you're a son or a daughter. You want to be a great friend to somebody else. No matter what it is, we want to be known as great in those areas. And really, if you're a follower of Jesus, Ultimately, you want to be a person of great faith as well. Now, deep down, we all want to be those things, but I think that, you know, to some extent, we, we kind of live with some level of disappointment because we think that being great is just not in the cards for us. You know, life can beat us up a little bit. You know, once you come to that point of believing that, uh, that thinking that being great isn't in the cards for you anymore, it gets easier and easier to think that God could never use you in great ways for his kingdom. And so today, I really do believe that the story of Gideon can encourage us all towards a life of bold obedience to God's calling and heroic faith even today. 
So let's dive into the story of Gideon in the Old Testament book of Judges. And you can follow along with the passages that we'll be looking at this morning uh, in the Hopevale app. So if you've got a smart device, you can go to your app store, download, download the Hopevale Church app. And once you open that, there's an icon for the Bible in the other upper left-hand corner. So you can click on that and follow along with the passages and take notes in that if you want. Uh, the verses are also going to be up on the screens uh, beside me here. And so as part of God's chosen people, the Israelites, Gideon lived in a time when they were supposed to be enjoying the incredible land that God had given them, the promised land. That's where they were living. That's what they had been looking forward to. That's what God had delivered to them. And things were supposed to be good, right? But instead, as a people, they had turned their backs on the Lord. They engaged in evil things that were against the very nature of their God. And so while God wanted the very best for them, they acted in the very worst of ways. And so for the purpose of correcting the course of his people because he, he loved them and he still wanted the best for them, God actually allowed their enemies to wreak havoc on their land, on their, on their nation. And so this really sets up the story because evil triumphed over good and it set the stage for a hero to enter in and turn their hearts back to God. And so in Gideon's days, and much like today, for that matter, there was a behavioral cycle that looked something like this. And it, it went, the people would disobey. Disobedience took place. God allowed foreign oppressors to come in, and there was a period of time where they were under oppression. The people, after that period of time, would cry out in distress for God to come in and save them, and God would enter in and deliver them from the hands of their enemies. So that's the, that's the theme that we're going to see and walk through in Gideon's story. It starts in Judges chapter 6, verse 1. And it says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so there's the disobedience. And for seven years, that's a really long time, right? We're not talking about just a couple of months they were at the hands of their enemies. No, seven years God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So that was the foreign oppression. And there's a little bit more detail about what those seven years of foreign oppression looked like. You know, verse 2, it describes it like this. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. When the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. These were, these were bad people who were coming in to just make life absolutely miserable for the Israelites. And so verse 6, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So after seven years, they kind of realized, hey, you know what, we're, we're not doing so great on our own. You know, God brought us here. He protected us and delivered us in the past. We've kind of turned our back on him. Things haven't been going so well. And so after seven years, they choose to cry out to the Lord for help. So when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, 
out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all of your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So see, God heard their cries and responded, but it actually started with a rebuke. It was a reminder that God had been faithful to them in the past, but they weren't faithful to him. And that is exactly why they were in their current situation. But thankfully, God doesn't start and stop with a rebuke. And next, he sends his angel in verse 11. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. See, God has a plan in this situation, a plan of deliverance, and it involves Gideon. Now, sure, God absolutely could have handled the foreign oppressors on his own. He could have wiped them out in the power of his own hand, but that's one of the incredible things about God. You know, he gives us the opportunities to do great things in his name. With him behind us and with us, he gives us that opportunity. And so when the angel of the Lord calls Gideon a mighty warrior, that is the beginning of how God uses Gideon in heroic ways. And so uh, in, in the, the theme, it moves to deliverance. So the story of deliverance, we're actually going to fast forward a little bit in the story to chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. And it, here's the story of deliverance. Early in the morning, Gideon and all of his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. So Gideon's army is right there, and they are prepared and ready to go to battle against their enemies. That really, right now, right here and now, the time for Gideon, God's mighty warrior to show up and to shine, is here. But the Lord said to Gideon, uh, you have too many men to deliver Midian into their hands, for me to deliver Midian into their hands. In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people, anyone who trembles in fear can turn back and leave Mount Gilead. And so 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. Did you catch that? God cut Gideon's forces by 68%. That's over two-thirds of his army gone. Now imagine if you were one of the 10,000 soldiers who remained. I mean, you might be looking around like, well, gosh, I wasn't, I wasn't trembling in fear before, but gosh, I kind of am now. Uh, I'm not so sure if I want to be one of the, you know, one-third of the army that's left that is going to go in and go to battle against our enemies. You know, shouldn't we be adding numbers rather than taking them away? This is crazy, right? You know, but the story continues. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water, and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Kind of an interesting test here. 
But 300 men drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs, and all the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all of the other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but he kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. So again, let's do the math on this, right? I mean, Gideon started with 32,000 warriors and ended up taking 300 to battle. That is 0.093% of his initial army, less than 1%. That's insane. Those are the kind of numbers that only God can do something with, right? And that's exactly what happened. So now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. And in a way that could only be attributed to God himself, he did exactly that. These warriors ran towards their enemies with a torch in one hand and a trumpet in the other. Notice I didn't say sword. right? A torch and a trumpet, and God gave those 300 men victory over an entire army on behalf of their entire nation. So because of Gideon's obedience to that call that God placed on his life of mighty warrior, God used him in an incredible way. Gideon made himself available to God's work in his life so that God could show up, deliver his people, and turn their hearts back to him. Gideon was a hero for what he did in his part of the story. You know, and all of that is, is really powerful. And again, I believe that God can use us in ways just like that today. But here is where I want us to be careful with the story. Because the second that we put Gideon or any other human figure on the pedestal as a hero, there are a couple of temptations that can come into play for us. And the first is the temptation to think that the effort of man is greater than the all-encompassing power of God that the effort of man is greater than the power of God. You know, God in this story made absolutely certain that that would not be an option for us when he cut his army down to less than 1% of the total that he started with. God does not want that to be an option in, in the story of Gideon or in our lives either. The real hero of this story is God. And let's not miss that fact here or in our lives as well, because the power of God is always greater than human effort. And then the second temptation is this. It's, it's to think that everyone else is greater than you. So what this means is that there's, you're sitting back thinking that there is no way that God could possibly use you in a powerful way to accomplish his purpose, because surely there's somebody else out there who's better or more qualified than I am. And so if the first temptation errs on the side of thinking too highly about ourselves, this temptation would err on the side of, you know, thinking too lowly of ourselves or kind of having an inferiority complex. So it's easy to think that God only uses the elite and the powerful and the rich and the famous, the intelligent, the attractive, you know, the ones who have already made it and have their lives together. It's easy to think that, but it's absolutely not true. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes to the church and says, 
Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You see, when the angel of the Lord called Gideon a mighty warrior, it wasn't because Gideon was already known and had a reputation of being a mighty warrior and had already done great things for the Lord. No, that wasn't it at all. In fact, there wasn't a whole lot that was special about him. And so I want to, in fact, go back to the beginning of this story, long before Gideon became the war hero that he was, to revisit that moment when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Because here's Gideon's response to that back in chapter 6. He says, but sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Wow, not necessarily what you would expect from a great hero of the faith, right? You know, there's a lot of doubts and uncertainties that he expresses to God in those statements. Here's the interesting thing, interesting part about it, that God in his response doesn't even answer Gideon's questions about why this was happening to them. It's not that they weren't important, but I think it's just that God was looking to the future and how he wanted to deliver them and what he had in store for them in the future rather than dwelling on the past because God had already proved himself faithful in the past. And so I think he didn't feel the need to have to stand there and account for the reasons why things were not going so well for the Israelites right then and there. And so in God's response, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. So there are more excuses and he made it way more personal that time, right? It really does kind of sound like a little bit of that inferiority complex coming out saying, hey, my family is the least, and man, I'm even the least in my family. I mean, surely I have a couple of stronger, older brothers who would be more qualified, right? And the Lord answered again, I will be with you, and you will strike down all of the Midianites together. See, Gideon was a self-proclaimed nobody who was filled with doubts, uncertainty, questions, excuses, and if we're being honest with ourselves, I wonder how many of us in this room this morning can far more identify with this early version of Gideon versus the war hero Gideon. And so in the midst of all of that, I want to focus on what God's message to Gideon was in that moment and the same message that he has for us today. And the first is this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So if you're anything like Gideon, you have questions and self-doubt that's holding you back from being obedient to what God is calling you to. And it's interesting because, you know, I think that when God called Gideon a mighty warrior, that was pretty much the exact opposite of how he thought of himself, right? And so for us, I wonder if we just take a moment to think about the ways that we can sometimes count ourselves out or think 
uh, think of ourselves in the least kinds of ways or what are the things that we would feel the least gifted in. And yet, that is exactly what God focused in on with Gideon to say, hey, you think that you're the least of your family, you think that you're a nobody, but I am with you and I am calling you mighty warrior. So as we consider some of those negative things that we have a tendency to think about in ourselves, you know, imagine what that would look like if you were standing before God and he named you as the exact opposite of that and what that would look like, the potential that there would be for God to show up and use you in powerful ways. The next thing that God said was, go in the strength that you have. Am I not sending you? So the strength that we have is God-given. You know, this is not about us overcoming obstacles on our own because, you know, we're self-sufficient Americans or anything like that. No, this is about leaning into God's strength on your behalf. And he says to us to go in that strength that you have. You don't have to go about life all on your own thinking that you have to do it all by yourself. Go in the strength that you have. And then he goes on and says, I will be with you and you will be victorious. So victory comes when we trust that God is with us. And Gideon's story really should encourage us towards that life of bold obedience to God's calling and heroic faith. You know, in the story, you know, you think about just kind of the numbers of what God did with the army. And at the end of the day, he, God, gave just 300 of the 32,000 men an opportunity to be a part of something great for, for the Lord. And it's easy to think about the experience that the 300 men had in that situation. But I also want to just take a moment to think about, you know, what about, what's, what would the number be? 31,700? The 99%? Who, who removed themselves because they were too afraid or they knelt down on their knees. I don't know what that's all about, but knelt on their knees to take a drink instead of lapping like a dog. You know, that, that's what God allowed to happen to remove those who were not ready and willing to step in to what God was calling them to. And so as believers in Jesus, you know, we should be looking at exactly what God said to Gideon and saying, hey, that is how God views me. That is the kind of thing that God is calling me to, and I don't want to count myself out from that. And so if today you are feeling overwhelmed, maybe life just feels like it's pressing in on you from all sides, maybe you feel like God could never use you in that way, now here's a quick takeaway for today. First of all, God is faithful. God is faithful, past, present, and future. He, is, he has proven himself over and over again to be faithful. So never forget that. Number two, give up your doubts and excuses. Give them up. That doesn't mean that we can't and shouldn't identify them and address them in our lives, but don't let them hold you back. Don't end up being in the statistic of the 99% who counts themselves out because of the doubts and excuses that we have. So it's okay to identify them and address them, but don't let it hold you back. And then finally, just trust God. Trust God. Trust him with what he is calling you to. You know, in, in a room this size with this many people, you know, can only just imagine the various things that you're facing in your life on a daily basis. 
you know, the doubts or questions and uncertainties that you have, the feeling of just being attacked from all sides, maybe even wondering if God is even there. You know, where is he in the midst of my struggles? But wow, I mean, what, what would your life look like if we followed this example that Gideon set, let go of the doubts and excuses, and trusted God for what he is calling us to? And again, not, not for our own personal benefit, but to bring God glory. So as we wrap up, here's really what I want to leave us with. That's that as sons and daughters of God, he does call each and every one of us by name. He wants to use us in great ways for his glory. And so no matter what enemy or hardship you might be facing today, whatever hardship stands before you, just know that God is standing with you. He is right there calling you to follow him so that your life can bring him glory. And there really is no higher calling than that. So that's, that's my prayer for what we take from the life of Gideon and the heroic faith that he displays, displayed. He was a hero of the faith because even in the midst of his doubts and excuses, he chose to believe and act on how God saw him. You know, in, in the grand scheme of Hopevale Church and what we feel like God is calling us to here, you know, this, this is a calling that we all want to be on the same page with, to say that God is our ultimate leader, and as his followers, we all need to be obedient to the things that God is calling us to. And then together, just imagine what that looks like unified as we go out here, and, you know, you represent Jesus Christ in your workplace and in your families and in, your, uh, in the, the friendships that you have and all of the, just all of the avenues of your everyday life that God has placed in your path. Because the impact of faith, the impact of Gideon's faith caused a nation to turn their hearts back to God for an entire generation. You know, you think about America and the world and just the direction that it's going today. Right? And I think it's easy to look and say, wow, in a lot of ways, I mean, the world has turned their back on God. And are we in a period of time right now where God is allowing some, some bad things to happen? And if that's the case, that's okay because God hasn't changed in any of that. But if these things concern us, this is our opportunity to turn our eyes to the Lord and say, God, I am willing and available to be used by you to bring you glory. Because we are called to that same heroic faith today. And so let's trust him. Let's trust him for the incredible opportunities that I know he has placed in our paths and trust him for the results. So as we close, I, I want to pray Ephesians chapter 3 over the church. It's just a great passage, and I think it just really ties in uh, with the story of Gideon and just what God is calling us to as a church. So let's pray. I pray that out of our God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's stand together and uh, close out with another song of praise. near and my time has come 
worship the, the holy name of the Lord together. And I'm so glad that you all took the time to be here this morning. I trust it was a great morning of worship together, and we hope to see you back here next week as we continue this series on heroes. So God bless you. Have a great week.